0: Good morning, LCM. Good morning. Today is Sunday, December twentieth, two thousand twenty. I want you to go and turn to Isaiah chapter fifty. We're jumping right into scripture. I want to tell you what a privilege it is to have elders like Baj Eragina who opens up our service.
1: Amen. Oh man,
0: you're going to think that I just copied off a of Baj. Well, I'm trying as much as I can in my life to copy off a of Baj. But with about two minutes before the service, we asked Baj to open us up. He turned to Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 4. We want to show you what the Lord is going to do in our midst today because unannounced, unplanned, Baj read our first scripture today. And we're going to go back to it because the Lord is going to show us something important. Can somebody say two or more witnesses? Two or more witnesses. Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 4. It says this, the sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning. He wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. Not only is this a verse that Baj brought to us today, not only is this a word from the Lord, I've got to tell you something. This is one of my stones that I have in my pocket, one of my scriptures that I carry with me, and it's been working on me for at least the last year, and it's been a topic that I've been praying for since I first got to this church six and a half years ago. See, I'm excited. And my confidence has grown. The Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue because he's given me what this church needs. My ears are awake today. They're well-tuned. I want to tell you something. That today and throughout this entire week, I've been studying in the book of Jeremiah. Been catching a survey of the entirety of the book of Jeremiah. And I'm telling you that God has a word for us. It has been confirmed in our worship time. It's been confirmed with people not knowing what we were preparing for today and sending words and sharing us with 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 us what the Lord has been moving on them. Today in the book of Jeremiah, you're gonna find something that's gonna blow your mind. Because it is the right word at the right time. Let's look at verse five. The sovereign Lord has opened my ears. I have not been rebellious, I have not turned away. Church, I can't tell you how important it is that we eliminate rebellion, that we do not turn away from the Lord's purpose in our time. Somebody say in our time. In our time. It is increasingly clear that we will not be raptured from our daily responsibilities. This is the hour when difficulties will, in fact, develop the divine inside of us. Amen. Verse 6 says this, I offered my back to those who beat me. My cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. Man, you should be hearing the crucifixion right here in Isaiah's words. The spirit of Christ, which is the spirit of prophecy, is encouraging me today that difficulties are absolutely in our future. This is not the time to hide your face. This is not the time to mask your face, but to seek his face for what he wants to accomplish in us and through us and through the difficulties. Let's look at verse 7. Because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Amen. Therefore, have I set my face like flint, and I know I will not be put to shame. By the end of this metamorphosis series, it should be clear to everyone in this room, as it is to me personally, that suffering disgrace will not end in us being disgraced. It will simply develop the divine nature of the bride of Christ inside of us. Yes. This is not just Biden time. This is building the bride kind of time here at this church. Oh, do you hear that? It's building the bride kind of time.
2: Aren't you excited that the divine is being developed inside of you? Well, a scripture that has inspired me, it has given me clarity throughout the years. I've been here a long time. And I've watched how God has built this house. You know, there's gray in that beard now. Look at that, some salt and pepper, baby. Matt,
1: Matt used to be our pretty advertisement for the church. You know, uh, he's about to be a grandpa. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready.
2: Well, some wisdom from a, an age old scripture. Let's go to 1 Chronicles 12, verse 23. Say there when you're there. These are the numbers of the men armed for battle who came to David at Hebron to turn Saul's kingdom over to him. As the Lord had said. Saints, the spirit of God is leading us. We have been armed with an attitude. 1 Peter 4 describes what you're learning, namely that our difficulties arm us with the divine when we approach him with the right attitude. Before we ever win on the battlefield, we must win the battle that must soon take place where, saints? In us. Everybody say "In in us. In us. We're not being punished. We are being built into the bride. Isn't that a story of hope? Here's the thing, though. They are being punished, but we are being developed. You are in the dark valley of Saul, but we fear no evil while in that valley. And here's why. We have a superior king. Our superior king is about to take the throne and receive the kind of bride that he died for. This is what's being built in us. Let's look at verse 32. Men of Issachar that were joining David, who understood the times yeah, they did. and knew what Israel should do. 200 chiefs with all their relatives under their command. Church, we understand the times. We understand the times we are in and we have gathered our relatives, our family members, members under our command of our King Jesus. Most importantly, we know what we should do. We should face the difficulties ahead of us knowing what they will achieve inside of us. It's those difficulties that develop the divine within us. More importantly, we're not in Biden time. The bride is being built into what Christ is here within this house. Oh, hold on. I got one more scripture for you, though. Let's go to verse 33 here. Men of Zebulun, experienced soldiers prepared for battle with every type of weapon. Yes. To help David with undivided loyalty. 50 grand of them. That's better than 50 cents. <laughs> Church, our every experience is accumulating evidence that the judgment of God is right. They will be destroyed. We will be saved. More importantly, a divine loyalty would be displayed in our undivided loyalty. This phrase, undivided loyalty, in Hebrew is translated one heart or ichad lib. We as the bride are developing a oneness of heart with the groom. Hasn't that been the repeated statement over and over again? The bride is becoming like the groom. How do we do this? We do this by walking his path of crucifixion, being shepherded through the same valleys of death that he walked through. We will stand next to and be like our superior king.
1: So clearly we're in a
2: series called metamorphosis.
1: Much of what the pastors are referring to are some of the guiding principles in it. Can you feel what they have working in them? There's a holy courage rising, a holy sense of development rising. The spirit of holiness is leading us into the things that we know will take place. John 16, 13 tells us that he will speak of us, speak of what is to come. We're going to take the time to illustrate through the messages the development of the revelation in the sermon series structure. But before I do that, we, uh, we like the law, the prophets, the writings, Old and New Testament, the whole counsel of the word. And pastor quoted from Isaiah, and then pastor quoted from the writings and chronicles. What did we leave out? Well, then let's go to Exodus 10. We're going to look at the law for a moment. Y'all let me know you're there when you're there. I, I just drove about 10,000 miles to come see you. I was spared I don't know how many speeding tickets. I only had six flat tires, two broken axles, and had to deposit something on the side of the road for the state of Texas to remove and a broken trailer. It was an eventful trip. <laughs> but you know those difficulties forge brotherhood. Yeah, they, do. they show you how Christ is being formed in you. We can't be the greatest Most powerful nation on earth and be so insecure as to be scared that we would be tested. The church of Jesus Christ passes the test. Our nation may not, the nation of God will. Are you in Exodus 10? Yes. In Exodus 10, verse 21. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand towards the sky so that darkness will spread over Egypt. Darkness that can be felt. Wow. wow. We don't normally associate a man of God stretching out his hand with darkness coming on people. In fact, they're all kind of little Christian sayings and thoughts that the Lord would never do anything that would harm you. I mean, we have bumper sticker theology all around us that is completely, teetotally ignorant of the word of God. Moses stretched out his hand. The darkness is the result of God's divine providence in response to their rebellion. It is the necessary response to their rebellion. So Moses stretched out his hand towards the sky and total darkness covered all Egypt for three days. No one could see anyone else or leave his place for three days. Yet, Mm. all the Israelites, Had light in the places where they lived. So, our sermon title today is Metamorphosis Biden Time. We will not be talking about the elections that Google, YouTube, Twitter, and the mainstream media manipulated we will be focused on the election of the saints in these difficult times. We won't need to go into the dangers of socialism that have been displayed historically in every place they've been attempted to be implemented. Any history book should show you that, unless it was written in the last few years. (laughs) No, we will be speaking of our social responsibility to display the character of Christ in impossible situations. There's no need for us to debate vaccinations this morning. All we need to do is refuse to vacillate on the convictions of Christ that are being formed in us. As the church begins to be treated like Jesus, the church will become more like Jesus. It's a beautiful revelation. In Exodus 10, it was a time of God ordained darkness that resulted from the stubbornness and sinfulness of man. Good thing those days have passed, right? (laughs) This darkness could be felt, and many of us can feel darkness descending now. There was, however, one place on the earth defined by the light. That place is wherever the genuine children of God stood. In all the places they lived, there was light. See, God made a distinction in the midst of darkness between those who stood in his presence and those that didn't. He didn't remove them from the situation. He made them distinct in the situation. God's people have always lived in Goshen. Goshen's just been in many places. Goshen is the place where a distinction can be seen. Yes. Look, we're not just Biden time. This is the bride of Christ being built time. Amen. It's our chance to display something to the world. He's dimmed the lights so that your light might shine. Amen. We're in metamorphosis. Amen. I'd like you to consider what these amazing pastors have been teaching you over the last few weeks. Because as I've traveled, I've had the chance to listen and re-listen to the messages. And you've been given some truly good things. I want to summarize a few things on a screen for you. Each of us are in a process of metamorphosis. We're getting rid. We're crucifying Joab's self-directed nature. We're learning to be shepherded like Abishai. And our hope, the goal of our salvation, is to arrive in a place like Ittai where the king is superior to all. Somebody say amen. 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 We moved on to learn that we are walking in the path of a suffering king, like Psalm 22 describes. That we're being guided by a shepherding king, like Psalm 23 describes. So that like Ittai, we arrive in the kingdom next to our superior king, as Psalm 24 describes. Then we went on to cover a wedding story. Is any of this sounding familiar? We learn to see that the Lion of Judah displayed his glory by being slain like a lamb. That was displayed in Revelation 5. His bride began the very same process in Revelation 6, where many martyrs began being dressed exactly as Jesus was and stood at the very altar under the throne of God. So that by the time we reach Revelation 7, the bride had imitated the groom, become like the groom, in every nation, tribe, language, and ethnically distinct region on earth. That's quite the accomplishment. That's not people raising pinkies in a crowded coliseum. That's people giving their lives from every ethnically distinct group on earth because they're imitating Jesus the Christ. Then the purpose of God was accomplished in Revelation 19 when the bride was built into the same substance as her groom. She was clothed in the deeds of Christ. The wedding of the ages occurs when the church has become like Jesus by walking the same path Jesus did, which is what makes our time so interesting because that is not the focus of the church. We moved on to learn that you have been armed with evidence 2 Thessalonians 1.5 literally says, all this, these difficulties, are evidence that they will be destroyed, but that you are being saved. Every tribulation, persecution, is evidence that Christ is being formed in you and that the wrath of God remains on those who are unrepentant. That's become an unpopular message. Some would simply say, that's not God's best for you. I say, that is not best for anyone. The Bible story was summarized in Matthew 22, 3, and 24, and 5. The Gospel of Matthew describes in Matthew 22, the kingdom of God is like a wedding. A process where the existing leaders were being judged and moved out of their positions in Matthew 23. A process where the bride is built into one that says, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. A bride that embraces all that is him, that doesn't cherry pick what she does and does not like about her groom. If it comes from him, she loves it. By the time they got to Matthew 24 and 25, it's clear that the only way to achieve this goal within the body of Christ is difficulties are appointed that develop the divine character of God and His bride. It winnows out the wicked, and it refines those that say they love Him. It gives us undivided loyalty. Amen. Tribulation is not a tragedy. It is a triumph. Amen. You're being treated like your king. Amen. As we move into our topic today, this last Wednesday, the pastors focused on a message called GUTs. I want to tell you this morning, we will look at the glory that is revealed in us, the unity that we must display, and the testimony that we will maintain. Saints, we are not just Biden time. We recognize that this is build the bride time.
0: So say something with us. Are you ready? Say right word. Right word. Say right time. Right time. Say right result. Right result. Say righteousness. Righteousness. See, church, what we have for you today is a right word at the right time. It is going to produce a right result in you, which is the righteousness of God being made manifest on the inside. Come on, you ready? Let's turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we're going to look at verse 3. Say Biden time when you get there. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 3. Come on, everybody get there.
1: Y'all don't be concerned about saying Biden time. It's not a problem. We can acknowledge where we're at, and then we can stand for the glory of God in the middle of it. We've done it before. (laughs) We'll do it now. And we'll do it as long as it takes until the kingdom of God is established on earth. We do not need to shy away. You certainly don't need to mask your faith or hide in a corner. When it's difficult is when we stand up.
0: 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 3 says this. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly.
1: So saith Anthony Fauci.
0: (laughs) That's right. Peace and safety. Destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman. And they will not escape. But you, brothers, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You should hear the words here. I know this is, this is drawing to your mind some of our previous services where we've actually read through this. I'm sure that you're recognizing this. But we want to draw your attention to the idea of people calling out peace, safety, that people, that this is showing that destruction is going to come on them suddenly. They're not aware of the destruction that is impending. And you can hear that in their message. It's the wrong word at the wrong time. It's like labor pains that comes upon a pregnant woman. But this is that you are not in darkness. You, come on, LCM, you are not in darkness so that this should surprise you. Look, when you, when you hear this verse and read it,
2: You may want to think that the them, mentioned in this verse, are the overtly lost. We're increasingly concerned that it's not the overtly lost being addressed here, but those saints that are just biding their time. They have uh, lost their distinction. They see difficulties as needing to be avoided. They don't understand exactly how God goes about building his bride. They've comforted themselves with axioms and bumper stickers. Well, my
1: God is always loving. Yes, and if you read the other 3 quarters of the book, you will find out how he refines a nation. Yeah. See, we float around internet prophecy, and sometimes it's even based on the word of God. But let's not forget that when Satan spoke to Jesus in the desert, he quoted accurately Psalm 91. But what he failed to do was quoted at the right time, in its proper context, in its right application. Yes. We're going to read to you from Matthew 24, and I want to give you a shocking possibility. What if false prophets are not just Nostradamus? What if false prophets are not somebody like Balaam? What if false prophets are those that are quoting a truth, That is not true in this situation. Like looking at a murderous pedophile who hates God and saying, Jesus loves you and he wants to forgive you. When Proverbs 5.5 says that God will burn him. Said, well, I just, I'm not the judge. Didn't you pronounce judgment when you declared that Jesus loves this man and wants to forgive him in this state? How do you know it? Said, well, we always know that's true then why did the apostles say that Judas got what he deserved? Why, why did Eli's whole line get destined to be struck down? We need to wake up. We are uncomfortable with the idea that God does judge the body, that he does judge the world. Paul said, every man will give an account for deeds done in the body, whether good or bad. He didn't make it up. It comes from Obadiah 15, where he said, there's a day when I will pour out on everyone's head exactly as they have done. So, well, where's the forgiveness? We've been hearing forgiveness for 2,000 years, and I'm a recipient of it. But don't be lulled to sleep and think that God is not righteous and will not hold us accountable for how we act. That might be what Jesus is warning about. Matthew 24, verse 4. Good word. Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you. Hey, can I just ask my friends, this family? Because to me, this is not an institution. Who is Jesus speaking to? Who is the you in this passage? What's the antecedent to the word you? He's talking to his disciples, and he is concerned. Watch out that no one deceives you, you disciples. See, if we sit around lamenting and uh, Biden time, we could be deceived and miss the point. Difficulties are here for build the bride time. Amen. That is what is happening worldwide. I want you to pay careful attention as the pastors read forward in this passage to the similarities between what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5 and what Jesus is going to say next
0: because it's astounding. Look at verse 5. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. See, the false prophets that Jesus warned us about did not claim to be outside the believing community. They were the ones leading the believing community. You're going to have to catch on here that our definition of false prophet is going to have to be dialed in to our day and time. See, these are men that claim to come in the Hashem, in the character, the authority, the reputation, in the name of the Lord. But they clearly do not understand the times. They want you to listen to them because they claim to have the anointing Messiah in the Hebrew is the idea of the anointed one. They come around claiming, maybe it's not that they're claiming to be Jesus, but maybe they're walking around saying, I, I am the anointed one, and you should listen to me. I have heard from God, and the most noble thing that you can do to love your
1: neighbor is shut the doors to the church and hide in your house like
0: a mere cow, like a noble lion. Church, this is the definition of false prophets that we need to come to. Not men saying that they are Jesus Christ, but ones they are saying that they are anointed and you must listen. See, they will be saying peace, safety, instead of judgment, tribulation, difficulties that develop the divine inside of you, that divine bride-like character in you. They are asleep and they're going to be destroyed. But church, you will not be surprised by these events, I can assure you. Let's look at verse 6. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see
2: to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen. What? Everybody say must happen. Must happen. Is there any wiggle room in that? No. It must happen. But the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. But there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings of birth pains. All the process of birthing Christ's character in you involves difficulties that must happen to build the bride of Christ. And it's time to build the bride of Christ. See, this is not Biden time. We're just biting our, we're not just biting our lip and enduring this until the end. We are embracing the evidence that we're accumulating, that we belong to the groom and we are becoming like him. You
1: know who understood this? Jeremiah understood this. He understood what must take place in the people and that it would develop the character of their God and the groom within them. Let's go to Jeremiah 23 together. We want to give you a chance to get there. Because this is important that you understand. It's not what you're going to see printed on a track or an advertisement to somebody's mega monstrosity or the latest virtual form of intimacy. I mean, church. Uh, you're <laughs> not going to see that because it doesn't build giant crowds. What we're teaching you is how to hear the voice of God, know the time so that you as the bride can be built up. Amen. You know, uh, yeah. Jeremiah 23:17. Thank you. Help me out. They keep saying to those who despise me. By the way, this is the Lord speaking. They keep saying to those who despise me, the Lord says, you will have peace. And to all who follow the stubbornness of their own hearts, they say, no harm will come to you. How sweet, huh? Mm. Sugary sweet. The thing is, The so-called anointed ones, the ones with the loudest and most prominent voices within the believing community, they have a word that seems right, but it's definitely at the wrong time. Think through this. Is it true that you will have peace? Yes. Is it true that you will eventually have no harm come to you? Yes. But these things only take place after the birthing process. See, a right word at the wrong time amounts to a a whole lie. A right word at the right time is life saving revelation. Something can be true in the year 700 and it's still true in the year thousand. But it is now out of time. It is not what God is saying to this generation. We wrote on our money, God bless America, and that's what everybody wants. But it is not how God feels. And if you don't get that straight, then you're going to be confused, particularly by the pansies in the pulpits today. Yeah. Okay, I love this nation. I love everything about who we are and what we're doing. And I am absolutely certain that the word for our time comes from Jeremiah's ministry. A right word, say right word, right, right word, word at the right time, right, right time brings the right result, right, right, right result, result, righteousness, righteousness, righteousness. See. Those things demand that we see the judgment of God approaching and that we build the bride, not just sit back biting our lip, trying to make it biting time, okay? Now is the time of productivity. The church grows under adversity. We are an anvil that hammers cannot wear out as long as you do not let these powder puff pillow pastors trick you into believing that God just wants to stroke your hair and pet you like a dog and sing with him and skip on the beach and watch rainbows, as popular music is saying and popular pastors are saying. We need to tune our ears to what God is speaking, and he warned us of the path that we would go down, and it is for your glory.
0: As we begin to con- as we continue on in verse 18, we want you to understand today that we're in the days of Jeremiah. We're in the days where the message of Jeremiah could not be more applicable to anyone, anywhere. Look at verse 18. But which of them has stood in the council of the Lord to see or hear his word? Wow. Who has listened and heard his word? See, this is an indictment from the Lord of the religious leaders. He's bringing it to them because it's as clear as it is convicting to them. There were prophets. There were priests. There were kings in this era speaking and opposing jeremiah surely they these men had a basic understanding of god's word surely they did but they grabbed a hold of the facets that they liked and they discarded the truths that they disliked yeah. wow at least that was just it's very back quiet in, day. in here it is very quiet it's
1: very quiet because none of you do that none of you have favorite parts of verses and parts that you would rather not read rather not contemplate See, that's a way to give yourself a false perception. And as you proclaim it, you know, the three or four things that you learned in the first month that you were saved. And those three or four things are all you can talk about. Jesus loves you. Jesus wants to forgive you. Well, that is true. And everybody in the world is comfortable with that message. You know what people are not comfortable with? Judgment is now appointed and you cannot avoid it. But if you are in love with him... He will help you stand in it. Yeah. And yeah, nobody will, will run to your megachurch for that. They're not going to come watch your glowing face on a screen and send their dollars magically electronically. That's not going to happen. Of course, there's a fire coming that will burn all that away anyway.
0: Yeah. yeah, for sure.
1: We are telling you the truth because we love you. It's something we've been wrestling with now for months because we can feel it turning up.
0: Church, we're sharing this with you because it caused these people here in Jeremiah's day to miss God's purposes entirely. It's causing men and women in our day to miss God's purposes entirely, and we don't want that for you. See, the word of God does promote forgiveness, as pastor said. Love, it promotes comfort. And it demands the judgment of God that comes upon those who persist in going their own way. Yeah. Wow. You should be hearing Deuteronomy 29 echoing through your thoughts. Those who persist in going their own way, the Bible says that God will, in fact, not forgive. But that's not the people here in this room today. Let's look at verse 19. See the
2: storm of the Lord will burst out in wrath. God doesn't send storms. According to Jeremiah, he does. He's loving. A whirlwind swirling down on the heads of the wicked. Hmm. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until he fully accomplishes the purpose of his heart. Whose heart? His heart. In days to come, you will understand it clearly. We're hearing this repetition in the book of Jeremiah of what must happen. That God will not turn back until he fully accomplishes the purposes of his heart. Jeremiah understood that the judgment of God was now. It was unavoidable. And that God would accomplish the purposes that he had in his heart. And reaching to the point of having a people that had been built into what he is. That's what he's after the whole time. See, those that were just biding their time while persisting in their old paradigms could not see this principle clearly because they were part of the actual problem. There's a response from the
1: believing community. We've covered some of these things in the previous services. You ought to recognize this phrase from the book of Revelation. Just mm-hmm. and true are your judgments, O God. Amen. See, no matter what we as a believer go through, for us it's just refining. It's just, it's just discipline. It's just making us more like, like the Lord. But who can stand in his judgment that's not a part of him? No no one. Those who receive the truth, the idea of just and true is everything that you do, Lord. We are revealed as belonging to the groom. Those who refuse this truth are recused from participation in the wedding ceremony. This is build the bride time. This is not just Biden time. Look, Look at what Jeremiah goes on to say. I can tell y'all are already sobering your minds in in this room. This is not a heavy message if you're a heavy, serious Christian. If you came here to hear about golden baby diaper Jesus in his (laughs) swaddling cloth, well, you've heard that your whole life and it hasn't done much for you. What if we got a little further into the truth? (laughs) What if we increased your spiritual caloric intake? What if... We shared with you what the word actually says instead of what everyone would like it to say. Are you ready for verse 21? Oh, yeah. I did not send these prophets. Yet they have run with their message. <laughs> they don't even have to run with it now. They, just post they can it. hide in their basement and, and, and just send it out to Tweet the word. Out. I did not speak to them. Yeah, I kind of suspected that. <laughs> Yet they have prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel, they would have proclaimed my words to my people and would have turned them from their evil ways and their evil deeds. Preaching that is not aimed at turning you from evil ways and evil deeds is false preaching. Say, well, they quoted from the Bible just like you did. Wrong word, wrong time. Satan quoted from the same Bible too. Judge not, lest you be judged. Twist not the scripture, lest you be Satan. Yeah. The tribulations that we are destined for will eliminate our evil deeds and leave us with evidence that we belong to him. Yeah. When it is difficult, you know what you do. You turn your face closer to him. Yeah. You're like, hey, daddy, daddy, I love you. And this is I'm just it's getting hard here. You become more desperate, more dependent on him, and you will start to eliminate the sin that so easily entangles you. The worst possible thing for us is comfort and affluence. The best possible thing for us is difficulty that develops the divine in us.
0: Come on now. See, pretend prophets try to assuage the people who are persisting in going their own ways. And the way that they assuage these people is they give them assurances that do not actually come from God saints when i'm hearing my uh the pastors up here i'm hearing
2: a word that's encouraging heavyweight christians those that hear a heavy word and they are rejoicing because they are seeing the total goal of what god is after and what must happen it's what must happen inside of us and what must be displayed see when we follow our suffering king as mentioned in psalm 22 through the valley of the shadow of death psalm 23 He will become our superior King as mentioned in Psalm 24. Do you know
1: that everybody's favorite Psalm seems to be 23 around the world? Why not Psalm 22? Because Psalm 22 is about the crucifixion and Psalm 23 is about a good shepherd. We want the shepherd, but we do not want to walk the path that he walked to become the shepherd. If you're going to be like Jesus, you will have to walk like Jesus. When you're being treated like Jesus was treated, you are proving that you have become like him.
0: Church, we're going to walk this path of Messiah, being slain like lambs so that we will rise in lion-like faith. Amen. Men will join us from every nation, tribe, people, and language. And on the day of our union with Messiah, we're going to show that we are going to be exactly like him. Can somebody say amen?
2: Amen. Amen. Oh, you know what else, church? We're gonna answer the wedding call. We're gonna show up adorned in the proper attire, dressed in the divine, and stand at the altar before all humanity, having demonstrated his character that has been developed inside of us. This is true because we will have crucified Joab's aversion to everything difficult.
1: And we will have been shepherded out of Abishai's compromise. So that we arrive at Ittai's position. A superior son with our superior king. See, when you realize what these things are achieving in you, you start to get excited when they're happening. These aren't easy words to grapple with. We know that. You're struggling with how you should respond to us. Like, do I cheer to that? Do I say amen? Do I cry? Do I tear my clothes? (laughs) We had to wrestle with the same issue. On one occasion... Jeremiah did something, and um, we, we want you to get that historically this has been a hard message to deliver. All of us want Isaiah's message. If you repent, then everything will go fine with you. Stand firm and it'll be fine. That was not Jeremiah's message. Jeremiah's message is you've gone far enough down this road. The judgments are coming no matter what you do. But if you stand with him, you will walk through the judgments and come out the other side of people. Yes. Okay, we love Isaiah's word. We don't so much love Jeremiah's word. We would like to avoid everything. I mean, we are the epidural generation. Like, well, <laughs> I had a baby. Uh, there's actual <laughs> birth pains yes. that happen. Well, Jeremiah, he was just like us. Listen to him wrestle with this concept and what the Lord says to him because he's wavered.
0: Look at Jeremiah 15 and verse 19. Jeremiah 15 and verse 19 is the Lord addressing the sympathies inside of Jeremiah. It says this, therefore, this is what the Lord says. If you, if you, Jeremiah, repent, I will restore you, Jeremiah, that you may serve me. If you, Jeremiah, utter worthy, not worthless words, you will be my spokesman. Let this people turn to you, but you must not turn to them. I will make you a wall to this people, a fortified wall of bronze. They will fight against you, but will not overcome you, Jeremiah, for I am with you to rescue you and to save you, declares the Lord of hosts. Church, do you want to serve him today? Church, do you want to utter worthy
2: words? Church, do you want to be the spokesman of
1: the Lord? Yes. then you must not turn to this people. You must make them turn to you as you have turned your face yes. towards our Father and you are built into His image. Come on. see, We turn. cannot go the way of society around
0: us. Yeah. We cannot do it. You are the shining light in Goshen. Church, both the book of Jeremiah and Matthew 24 assure us that some brothers will betray us, that many brothers will turn from the faith. But the book of Daniel says that we will lead many to shine like stars. This is not Biden time. This is build the bride time. Oh, what time is it, church? Build, build the, the bride. bride.
2: Hey, look, so that you may know the certainty of the word that we're bringing to you today, I want you to consider that multiple times throughout the word that Satan or his puppets have brought the, uh, the word of God, the right word, at the, but not at the right time the right word but at the wrong time and it did not have the right application to it either and so will those influenced by him in the church community
1: yeah false prophets no longer look like somebody is uh, anton lave is not showing up with a satanic bible and confusing the masses that's not what's happening right Men are standing up saying something that is true from the word, but it is not true about the people they're saying it to. I'll give you a great example. You're all champions. No, friends, not, not very many of you are champions. In fact, the, the champion that is leading you is a chump, not a champion. See, this kind of speech is seen as hateful. But Leviticus 17 says to rebuke your neighbor, frankly, is an act of love. Yes. Okay, yes. something is dramatically wrong. And you know what will fix it? a little adversity. Yeah. In fact, with less than a 2% death rate, I mean, we, we really saw a line of distinction immediately, yes. okay? Uh, I want you to understand that God has apportioned for us distinction through judgment, yeah. and that's not your removal. It is your behavior during what is happening, yeah. okay? Okay. Jesus said in John 17, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. We're going to have to grow up in our theology and put away bumper sticker Christianity. Look, those who stand in the counsel of the Lord will be a fortified wall. We want to pay careful attention to Jeremiah 27. Can you all turn to Jeremiah 27? Look, we're 44 minutes in and we're in a generation where you can watch a three and a half hour movie but after 38 minutes of preaching you're ready to get to a parking lot that's not who you are is it okay we'll save that for the candied apple preachers the powder puff prophets in here we're going to build the bribe, which means your caloric intake goes your muscle mass in the kingdom goes you'll get holy ghost steel in your spine you'll start looking forward to adversity as resistance training and you'll look at others around you and say, i'm so sorry
0: that's difficult for you grow stronger
2: yeah <laughs> That's
0: a good word. What you're hearing is the right word for you today. How much would you pay if someone could walk in somewhere and say, I have the right word that will lead you not only today, but in the decade that is yet to come?
2: Yeah.
0: And we're not asking for finances here. We're giving you of the right word of the right time to produce righteousness inside of you today. Jeremiah 27 and verse 6 says this I just got to jump in on the finance thing. Is that
1: all right? What are you used to hearing from the average church about finances? You need to give, you need to give, you need to give. You know how I personally feel about it? Many of you haven't even earned the right to give because you don't stand with us in difficulties. Writing a check would be letting you off the hook easy. I tell you what, come stand with us in difficulty and then we'll share all we have with each other. But don't send me a check and think that you've assuaged your conscience. It doesn't work that way. Okay. I'm not involved in any of the finances and they're thankful for that right now. But the greatest moments in our church history is when I gave people's checks back and said, you, uh, you can't participate in what we're doing. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Good word.
2: That's a loving word. That's right. Amen.
1: So if that offering box doesn't spit back out your check,
0: be excited. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremiah 27.6 says this. Now I will give all your countries into the hands of my servant, oh, wow. Nebuchadnezzar. Come on king of Babylon. I will make even the wild animals subject to him. That just blows my mind that even the animals are subject to King Nebuchadnezzar. All nations will serve him and his son and his grandson until the time, somebody say the time, the the time. time for his land comes. Then many nations and great kings will subjugate him and his descendants. Look, Both Jesus and Jeremiah encouraged the people that the coming difficulties were divine in nature. Even if they appeared destructive to the land, because that divineness would produce and it would build the bride of Christ into what he is. This idea of my servant, Nebuchadnezzar, is a beautiful one. He's going to get his own, but God is doing something. And those that are his, it's only going to cause them to flourish. It's only going to cause a divine nature to be seen. Oh, look, when we read this verse, I was just blown away by the
2: statement, my servant. This is God's choice. It's God's will. It is something that must happen. And look in verse 9 as it continues. So, do not listen to your prophets. Your diviners, your interpreters of dreams, your mediums, and your sorcerers who tell you you will not serve the king of Babylon. They prophesy lies to you that will only serve to remove you you far from your lands. I will banish you and you will perish. Church, both Jesus and Jeremiah warned us about pansy prophets. Prophesying lies of comfort, peace, and safety because of their own motives to persist in the paradigms of the past. Yeah, the word today is the same as the word then. Do
1: not listen to them. Okay, don't click on their videos. Don't, don't pad their egos with not one more like. Get your face in the Bible. And when you get your face in the Bible, then get on your knees and pray. The Spirit and the Word are going to confirm these directions. And anybody that is telling you that you are so overwhelmingly wonderful that God would never let anything difficult come into your life is both a liar and a fool. Okay, so we, we have to move on from that message. Anybody that is telling you that God is so loving that he is not righteous and his justice will sleep forever doesn't understand the Bible at all. This is a time of awakening for some yeah. and a drunken slumber for others. Some will be destroyed and others will not. This is not Biden time. This is building time. Can I actually read one of the most quoted verses from Jeremiah to you? And put it in its proper context? Yes. Okay. Think of your grandma for a minute. Everybody close your eyes. Imagine sweet grandma. She's got some warm cookies for you. She's got some milk. She's she's patting you on the small of your back and telling you that she's made something for you. And on the quilt that she's giving you, next to the fruitcake that she's also giving you, (laughs) is Jeremiah 29. 10 through 14, except it's not. It's only verse 11 because that's all that is ever quoted. We're going to start in verse 10. Are you ready? Yes. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed, after 70 years of captivity, after the city is destroyed, after the walls are broken down after the people are carried off after the land has had recovery in sabbath time after 70 years are completed for babylon i will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place for i know the plans i have for you declares the lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Now, if some of you were geeks like me, and you got put in a private Christian school where there were no actual Christians, probably you all gave each other this verse on your graduation day. Yes. Yes. And we did with this verse exactly what the prophets of our time do. We ignore the fact that it's after 70 years of tribulation, that it is after difficulty, that it is after you have passed through the judgment of God, that you are told that there's a future for you. We've taken this verse and we've made it mean God would never, never do anything that is hard for you or that hurts you. He's a loving God. He's not the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. He yeah. means what he says. He says what he means. This very verse is more misused than almost any other. Yeah. yeah. Listen, Jeremiah understood something. The coming judgment is certain. It's unavoidable. It's non-negotiable, but it's
0: also finite. Yeah. It will come to
1: an end at some point.
0: Church, and what we want you to get today is this, that judgment on the world is only discipline and refining for the actual bride of Christ. This is not something for us to fear. This is not for us something to to bow our heads and, and submit. We stand up and go, yes, this is what we are made for. This is making us into the desire of our heart, which is to be like our groom. Look, the book of Daniel,
2: Jeremiah, Matthew, Luke, and the revelation of John all assure us of the difficulties to come and promise us that at its completion, the bride will have been built into what the groom is. What we've been trying to illustrate to you is that verses like this are not about
1: escapism from difficulties. They're actually about accumulating the evidence that you actually belong to Christ. They're about standing with God in all of His decisions. They're about in difficult times having divine things developed in you. They're about when it's not what your will would be, You saying, nevertheless, your will be done, Lord. Okay, look, we've been wrestling with this word for you, and you might be sitting there contemplating, how should I receive this? Jeremiah actually answers that question, but I want to give you a hint first. It's not Biden time. It's by knowing that it's build the bride time. Would you like to see Jeremiah's answer? Yes.
2: Yes.
1: Jeremiah 29, 4. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Do you realize that God called them out of Egypt and carried them on eagle's wings, but he also carried them into the judgment of Babylon? Any theology that doesn't acknowledge both principles is one that is of your own making. Okay? It'd be useful, more useful to go get something on tap than that kind of theology. Okay? Okay. yeah. Build houses. This is Jeremiah's advice. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Come on do not decrease. In the midst of your judgment, what do you do? You grow in the character and the representation of God. You dig in and you become what he is. You acknowledge that
0: his ways are right and you thank him for plowing your heart so that you can become fruitful. Come on. These are the words of the Lord to Jeremiah for the people. This is what you must do. See, we're not just trying to endure here. We're not just trying to survive and just make it through in some piddly kind of manner. This is a time of distinction for the body of Christ when we are built into the thriving bride of Christ. See, difficulties, judgments, persecutions, and trials, they are not the only thing ahead of us. They are not. We will arrive at the goal, at the teleos, is the way it says it in the Greek. We will show ourselves to be his, and he will show himself to be our God, to be our groom, to be our Lord and Savior, and we will see him in a new way. Amen.
1: When pastor says difficulties, trials, persecutions are not the only thing ahead of us, I want you to understand the Bible has so much to say about this. We're going to move on from it. But do you remember that Paul said, all I know is that in every city, the spirit warns me the beatings and imprisonments. But he also says to the Philippians that he knows that a crown of glory is in store for him. Yes. OK, the truth is, is both are appointed to our lives and how th- how we go through one determines if we get to the other. OK, <laughs> that's the truth. And this greasy, terrible, uh, slanderous gospel that is being preached all over the place, that is basically Jesus just forgives you whether you, you really want Him to or not, and we'll all be punished with your presence in heaven. Uh, it's not a gospel at all. okay? If you do not stand with Him right now with all of your heart in the worst of situations, well, i got to tell you that Chronicles literally says He's with you when you're with Him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to just also tell you very, very personally, I have no desire to hang out with you for eternity if you don't love him right now. I mean, we're not going to get along right now. Why would we spend an eternity together?
2: Oh, it's time to build the bride. Let's look at Jeremiah 30 in verse 22. So you will be my people and I will be your God. See, the storm of the Lord will burst out in wrath, a driving wind swirling down on the heads of the wicked. The fierce anger of the Lord will not turn back until he fully accomplishes the purpose of his heart. In the days to come, you will understand this. If this sounds like the book of Revelation to you, that's because the end is always the same for both the wicked and the righteous. The wicked will be swept away with the words, I never knew you. But the righteous will be received into a kingdom and marriage with the words. You will be my people and I will be your God. Come on somebody. Gloria a Dios. These are the words that you wait to
1: hear. Look, as we were preparing for this word. And I get we're maybe we're a little long winded today. I just missed y'all. But as we were preparing for this word, we received a prophecy. Uh, it's, it's to your benefit that we share it with you. We don't normally share with you every word we get because a lot of them are wrong. Some of them are flat out stupid. And some of them are amazing but embarrassing because they're very corrective. This one we're going to share with you because it is the spirit testifying to the truth yep. of the revelation that we've received. Okay. And uh, as you listen, remember, this brother had no idea what we were talking about today. So imagine that it's 3.38 in the afternoon, you're studying with your brothers, you're working through Jeremiah, and you're like, we're in the days of Jeremiah, and the Lord is making clear that we have to explain this to the church, and you get this text. Is that all right? Can y'all put yourself in those shoes?
0: Hey, Eric, I received a word a few days ago and wasn't sure when I might get the chance to share it with you. It's based out of Matthew 24, verses 1 through 8. I woke up at 3:30 a.m. to a scream. Someone cried out in pain. Concerned, I searched the house and no one was there. No one else was even awake in the house. I laid back down distraught and I asked the Lord, "What was this scream?" And after a while, I heard nothing. I asked again, "Lord, what was that?" But this time he answered, "Birthing pains." I am dividing the true church from the false. I have inspected the building and found it wanting. He is coming with a sledgehammer to tear apart and break loose stone from stone so that the true church may be built back up. More. More pastors will fall away than ever. More will preach abject heresies. More will fall into sexual sin. More will make it clear I never knew them. More churches will close their doors. More will accept sin and reject me. More will distance themselves from the true gospel. Judgment is coming and it is here, but what has been felt so far is only birthing pains of what is to come. Just like you searched your home for intruders, so too am I searching my flock for wolves. I will judge the shepherds first, then I will judge whole flocks, then I will pick apart the true and the false disciples one by one. Just like you woke up from your sleep, So too will the true church rise up from hers as a spotless bride. The world will hate her. The church will spit on her. But the groom will take her for himself. Wake yourself up first. Each must search his own house for the leaven of compromise. Each must inspect his own wall for what needs to be repaired. Because the storm that is coming may wash you away with the refuse. The flood that is coming may sweep you away if you are not counted among the righteous. Men will be drawn close to hot fires. Revival comes when it is needed. When the church has lost its zeal, the Lord stokes the coals among the burning while the love of most grows cold. The burnt up, worthless ash will be thrown away and fresh fuel will be added to the fire. If this generation will not serve him, Another will come and replace them. COVID is birthing pains. Church closures is birthing pains. Compromised pastorate is birthing pains. The test is coming, but it is not to disqualify. The test is coming to bring glory to my name. Saints, so isn't this the right
1: word for the right time? Imagine that you have just outlined Matthew 24. You've just gone through Jeremiah 23. And what you are struggling with is, Lord, is this really what you want to say to the church? And someone who has no idea what you're doing sends you that prophecy. That was at 3.38 in the afternoon. About four minutes later, two sons that did know what we were studying but had no idea what we were grappling with sent us another word about the difference between the passage of time, Kronos, and a Kairos moment, that this is a God-ordained moment that must take place. Yeah. We're like, okay, Lord, we get it. We're
2: going for it. We're just going to do this. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Saints, we are not biding our time. That's right. no. The word is unequivocally clear. This is building time. Amen. That God is giving us the right word for the right time that will produce the right results and bring about righteousness in our lives and in this house.
1: Look, we're not intimidated at all by these times. The truth is, is we are spirit enthused by them. We feel the spirit of holiness saying, yes, yes, this is the hour for you to shine. Rise up and I will empower you. Go in the strength you have and I will cause you to succeed.
0: We're not intimidated. We've waited for this very moment. Come on now. See, if this were just one prophecy, we we might have missed it. But it is one of the many and they are in agreement With the law, the prophets, the writings, and the very words of Jesus Christ himself. Turn back with us to Matthew chapter 24. What the Lord is doing is giving us the right word. He is molding our hearts. He is moving upon those who will listen and stand with him. He is giving us exactly what we need, not only for today, church, but he's giving us exactly what we need for the times that are coming. For the very places that we must head, he is giving us all that we need. Look at Matthew 24 and verse
1: 8.
0: It says this, all these are the beginnings of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. You will be hated by all nations because of me. If all nations hate you, then, friend, you've made an impact on all nations. Come on, amen. <laughs> Don't look at the glass half empty. I promise this is half full. <laughs> look at verse 10. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will, in fact, grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. I love what Pastor Eric just said. I love what he said. When every nation is going to hate you. That may be the case. Every nation may hate you. But your stand in these times will produce those dressed in white from every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every distinct ethnic group. Because they loved not their lives so much as to shrink away from death. Come on now. We're building a group of people here in this church who understand that. We're not shrinking back from death. We're longing for it. We're looking forward to the tribulation because we know what it's producing on the inside of us. Church, Revelation 7 promises this outcome for those who understand that it's time to build the bride. It surely isn't Biden time. No, it's not Biden time. Look, there's a truth that we've been
2: reading that many will betray and hate each other. But Daniel promises us that many will lead others to shine like stars in the heaven. This is an even greater truth that's being displayed. Because it's time to build the bride. It's not Biden time. It's true that the word says that the love of many will grow
1: cold. You can boo. But 2 Timothy says many of us are going to fan the flame of our fiery faith in the very same way that this house was built. The heat of our passion will cause others to fall in love with our groom. We will forge faith in others. This is not Biden
0: time. This is build the bride time. Come on, Take a look at Matthew 24 since you're already there. Look at verse 45. Look at verse 45 in the same chapter. And understand, who then is the faithful and wise servant? Huh. Listen to this and tune your ears to the right word at the right time. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? Somebody say proper time. Proper, proper time. time. Giving the word, the food at the proper time is equated with a faithful and And wise servant. It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Truly I tell you, he will put this one, he will put him, this faithful and wise servant, in charge of all his possessions. Why? Because he is feeding at the proper time. He is keeping in step with what the master actually desires. He didn't need the exact supervision of every moment. He understood the heart of the master and followed in it, showing that he was a faithful and wise servant. Look at verse 48 as this continues. But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, my master, he's staying away for a long time. And he then begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and in an hour he is not aware of. Are you hearing the consistency throughout the word of God that those who are surprised by his coming, it's because they're in darkness. It's because they are drunkard. It's because they're asleep at the wheel. It's because they've been unfaithful the master of that servant will come on a day when that servant doesn't expect it and in an hour that that servant isn't aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him to a place with the hypocrites. Those who are saying one thing, but the truth of their heart is that they are not showing that they are faithful and wise. They are not becoming what the groom is. They have something else going on on the inside of him. And there, in that place of hypocrites, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth.
2: You know what, church, when we're looking at this, there is that word proper time in verse 45, that faithful and wise servant is the one who gives the right word at the right time that produces the right result and brings about righteousness. This is what our master, our king is looking for inside of us. And it's a call for us to build the bride. Are you excited
1: to get a proper word yes. at a proper time? It will produce a proper result. It will encourage righteousness in you. Uh, I I think we probably need to be closing. And um, I don't know how many of you in this room have had children. Raise your hands. I heard Matt joke a few weeks ago that he got a stretch mark from birthing this church. Uh, many. I. I just... I want to build on the birthing pain idea for just a, just a second. And admittedly, this is very personal. But the thing is, is this is very, very scriptural. I remember when my wife was getting Braxton Hicks. And she's like, do you think this is it? I'm like, no, that's that's not it. She's like, how do you know? I didn't know. I was just praying. You know, like, that's not it. She's like, that kind of hurts. Said, how far apart, you know? And we, we talked about it. She goes, uh, are we going to church? Well, yeah, yeah, we're going to church. I don't know if I can. Of course you can. Should I sing today on, on the worship team? Well, yeah, what else would you do? Okay. <laughs> I remember when worship was over, and you know, I can see that look on her face. I'm like, how far apart are they now? And she's like,
2: um, they're much closer.
1: She's like, we we go to the hospital? I said, he's almost done preaching. I also remember when it was time and we got to the hospital and there was a crowd around us and it became intensely personal. I had to throw people out of the hospital room, like get out. And they did. And that moment of transition when my wife is looking at me and I'm seeing her eyes, she does not know if she can do this. Why does it go a a kind of terror? Because she's a first time mom. Anybody feeling me in this room yet? strangest thing happened i looked up in the corner and saw a mirror on wheels and i moved that mirror and when my wife could see the goal of what she was laboring for she had absolutely no problem she's more than willing to give her life for what it would produce it was not about her not not about what she felt not about anything else in that moment that is the kind of analogy Jesus is drawing on, okay? Birthing pains are only feared by those that have never actually produced life. After you have produced life, the birthing pains are a joyous sign that more life is coming. Yeah. Consider the book of Revelation that we've been quoting so frequently lately. We have just two more passages to turn to, and we will, we will come to a place of decision as a church.
0: Revelation chapter 1. And verse 1, it says this. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Also look down at verse 9. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering yeah. and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Church, we just want to remind you that John was a veteran at producing life. He was not on the isle of Patmos just biding his time. He knew in the spirit that it was time To build the Bride of Christ. This meant
2: that every persecution, every difficulty or adversity only served to birth in him the greater revelation of Jesus Christ. To be like Messiah, we each will have the opportunity to walk the path
1: of the suffering king. And know the comfort of the shepherding king. So that we can truly say that we have received him as the superior king. This is not Biden time. This is build the bride time.
0: Amen. Turn with us to our final passage of scripture today in Galatians chapter 4. Everybody's going to want to turn there. Galatians 4. And we're going to start in verse 16. Building the the bride. Build the bride. It says this. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? that's a
1: great question isn't it (laughs) it
0: (laughs) see if the revelation that we're sharing with you causes confusion or anger or schism within you that is evidence that you in fact needed to hear exactly what we've said to you today see maybe it's time to stop listening to the pansy pillow prophets of the internet and virtual church
1: they're virtually wrong on every point
0: (laughs) church we want you to understand the motive that we have today we want you to see we want to see christ formed in you not schism but but a crucifixion and a circumcision so that you can have oneness with the heart of god in the days to come let's look at verse 17
2: those people are zealous to win you over but for no good they got the best marketing campaigns though
1: Every time you open your mailbox, there's a flyer. Every time you turn on your TV, you drive down the road and there is a pretty billboard. You have to do those things when you do not have the deeds of Christ as your advertisement. Mm. And if you have to airbrush a photo to advertise your church, how will you not be assigned a place with the hypocrites?
2: Ooh. Oh man, We want to build the real bride of Christ. Amen. The verse continues. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may have zeal for them. It is fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good, and to be so always, not just when I'm with you. My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed inside of you. Church, we've come to a place where I hope it is very apparent
1: to you that we have to eliminate competing voices other than the spirit and the word. The spirit and the word are everything. And the men that you know the outcome of their way of life and that God has put in your life to teach you. Because these are getting to be serious times. And that's good because we're serious Christians. We need a proper understanding of what is expected of, of us in this time. Having a wrong Understanding of that causes you to feel punished when you should feel privileged. Okay, Dad's not punishing you when you have something difficult to do. He's showing great faith in the genuineness of what he's built into you. Amen. These are the days of dialing in our discernment because these are days of deception. Yeah. Do you get that? Okay. What we need to do is pay heed to the prophecies that we received. We want to reflect the Lord in none other. We recognize that among His threshing floor, there's both wheat and chaff. And that His Spirit will empower the wheat and burn the chaff. We want that process to go on inside of us so that we are not the defining elements of that process in a bad way. See, when judgment comes to the house of God first, we get right and then what's the outcome for the world this is our chance to make sure that we reflect him properly if I could just be very frank we need to go back through your tribalisms we need to go back through the things that you think you understand about God because you've heard some idiot say it for many many years and now you're repeating what the idiot said you need to go back through that There's not a week that goes by in this church, which loves the word more than any that I have ever been in, that does not say things that you simply heard and do not know to be true from your own investigation. That is how deception happens. And the more you repeat it, the more you're participating in it. We need to know the time that we're in. We need to become like our Messiah. Before you stand to your feet, ask yourself, when I do stand to my feet, am I committed to walking the path of Messiah? Meaning in every unjust situation, do you entrust yourself to him? Meaning when you're reviled and persecuted, do you call it a blessing? Meaning when your flesh and your emotions cry out, you still submit yourself to God. Are you ready to walk that path? Many of you said yes a long time ago, but you were deceived into believing Christianity was simply an acknowledgement of a truth. It's not. Demons acknowledge the truth. They do. They know there's one God. They tremble at his name. To be with Messiah, you must walk like Messiah. If any man would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow. You are not with Messiah if you're not walking in the path of the crucified Messiah. It doesn't matter what a Presbyterian told you, what a Methodist told you, what a Pentecostal or a charismatic told you. That is what the Bible says. If you are on the path of the crucified Messiah, the next thing you have to ask yourself is, am I actually being shepherded by him? Do I truly see myself as the Lord is my shepherd? I shall not be in want. I have no need. Or do you think you have lots of needs? Anything you need other than him is a rival to him. It's a threat. It means that if I take it away, you might walk away from him. You need to learn to say no to desires outside of Jesus in a way that puts the question to death or the devil will find something you can't say no to. Are you on the path of the crucified messiah and is he actually shepherding you is he shepherding you to where you have no other actual competing interest so easy to say yes to that and be a liar you need to examine it not just your life but have you pledged are you walking are you standing with your king in a way that your life or death your wife's life or death, and your children's life or death, are all okay with you as long as you're in His will. See, that's where tied was. That is Psalm 22, 23, and 24. It is a holistic picture of the Christian's life. If you're still saying things like, "Well, if if my kid was martyred, I just don't know if I could serve a God like that," then you're not serving Him now. You're deceived. this is the message we preach to our friends. You should imagine the message that is not to our friends because the Lord of glory deserves a bride of his substance. We believe you are that bride. We believe now is the time, but you might need to work through that process. I know as we wrestled with this, there was more time repenting, more time praying than there was preparing to preach. When you stand to your feet, answer three questions. Am I truly on the suffering Messiah's path? Am I truly shepherded by him with no competitors? Have I truly pledged my and my whole family's life and death to his purpose and none other? If you can answer those three questions easily, you didn't think deeply enough about them. Would you please stand to your feet? holy father what shall we say spare us from this hour no it's for this very hour that you birthed this church so instead we say father glorify your name glorify your name as you teach us to walk the crucified messiah's path glorify your name as you shepherd us away from all competing interests Glorify Your name as our superior King, superior to every other thing. Lord, You shall have no rivals.